Chapter 2 Ursula When Ursula turned off the music, she heard a very loud, very insistent banging. Peeved at whoever it was who needed her so urgently he had to nearly break down the door, she chinga-chinga-chingaed and swish-swished across the floor of the living room to answer whoever the bejesus it was. She had taken up belly dancing as a way to locate her misplaced feminine, and every sparkly coin that hung from every angle or mound of her jangled as she walked, part shuffle, part float. She didn't notice that she was twirling her hair around her finger the closer she got to the banging door. She wore her dirty blonde hair in odd little ponytails that stuck out in irregular directions from the globe of her head, in a sort of postmodern farina do. Some were shorter, some longer, all this hiding a tiny bald spot on the side of her head where she habitually pulled hairs out from excessive twirling. Before she opened the door, she stood before it, palms out, eyes shut, to see if she could feel who was on the other side. Even when the banging turned into that overly cutesy bump-bump-a-bump, she still couldn't tell. So she opened the door to find Donnie examining the paper taped over the doorbell that read, Do Not Ring Bell. Oh, hi, it's you, Ursula said, relieved that it wasn't some fanatic trying to sell her the all-purpose cleaner of religion. She didn't know how she felt about Donnie standing at her door, although she was a bit impressed that he was able to find her, or cared to. It showed initiative, cleverness. She liked good survival skills in a man. Is your doorbell out of order, he asked. No, she said flatly. She just stood there. Well, I guess maybe you're surprised to see me, he said, filling in the awkward space between them. Come in, Ursula said finally. I'd offer you something to eat, but I'm only juicing right now. She walked a few steps ahead of him into the house. Something to drink? Coffee or Coke, Donnie replied, following her in. As they stepped inside, he was assaulted by the piercing, acrid smell that captured the air. People's houses always have an odor particular to them, and frankly, he was not one to judge, but yeesh, was she pickling some dead animal? Ursula, aware of his awareness, quickly swished off to the kitchen. She didn't want to be gone too long. Donnie held his ketchup-scented fingers up to his nose until he acclimated to the foul air. He casually inspected all the books, artwork, and figurines in her living room, looking for some commonality to bring up in conversation. She seemed to be a world traveler. She seemed to like the figures of cats. That's good. He liked cats. He noticed the orange tabby sunning in the corner. Maybe that was the stink, though he was familiar enough with unattended cat boxes to know it wasn't. She had a lot of healthy-looking plants growing by the windows not something they had in common. She returned in no time, placing a frothy, fluorescent green drink in his hand. I usually use spinach, she said, but apparently it's all tainted with bacteria and it's been pulled off the shelves at the co-op, so I'm using lots more wheatgrass. I only buy local. The nuance of ingredients mattered not to him. He'd eaten all manner of disgusting things on a dare. 
tequila worms, menudo, prairie oysters. But he'd never put anything in his mouth this color on purpose. If it were radioactive, it would melt the glass, right? Who is this woman, he asked himself as she leaned over to place the frothy devil drink on the coffee table. She was odder than he expected, and certainly more unexpected than any woman he had known. But he liked Odd, and even though she had not much in the way of breasts, those jangly coins at her ankles were a real turn-on. Chew your juice and juice your food, she told him. She demonstrated masticating each mouthful forty times. This stimulates the digestive juices to break down the meal, while at the same time giving your organs a rest. According to Shira, she's my teacher. This woman is out of her mind, he thought, holding his breath against the green fumes, but he just smiled and nodded. Cows contribute over 20% of the methane gas of the world, and it takes 167 pounds of grass to feed each cow. Wouldn't it be a whole lot simpler just to eat the grass, Ursula offered? I've read that it's actually the methane gas from all the dinosaur poop released from beneath the defrosting tundra that's going to do this planet in, he replied, rattling off anything to avoid putting the sludge to his lips. And a medium-sized dog has a larger carbon footprint than a Toyota Land Cruiser. She couldn't help but laugh. That may be so, but Americans eat 20 million burgers a day. Between clear-cutting the forest to create the pastures and the industrial farms that grow the lettuce and tomatoes, if we all just stopped, we might save our planet in time. Donnie nodded, glad he'd left the ketchup-stained pants in the trunk. He kept on nodding like a stupid bobblehead until there was nothing left to do but take a drink. She looked at him encouragingly. Something about her look, hopeful and sincere, set off a twinkle inside him, more like a rush of a twinkle, and suddenly he found himself raising the glass up to the air, toasting, to the planet, he said, and tossed it back. He smiled, nodded, chewing at nothing, which was really just him biting the stuff back from being projectile vomited across her living room. She watched him intently for his reaction. He continued to chew, his throat refusing to take it down. He's thinking, I must look like such an idiot. She's thinking, he's really savoring it. Nothing he tells himself will get his throat to open to this crap. And the longer he waits, the worse it gets, the vile drink just sitting there in oral constipation, contaminating his taste buds. He'd rather be sucking on the dinosaur poop. She's never seen a man appreciate the subtle flavor of his food in this way before. She beamed a smile of admiration at him that caught him off guard, and for just an instant his face softened in response, creating the opening he'd been looking for. Down it went. His eyes bugged open and flared. My God, that's bad! Oh, what he wouldn't do for the burn of scotch right now! You like it, she asked. Not many people can handle that, believe me. I think it's better with the spinach. No, this was good. The words squeezed hoarsely through his constricted throat. I honestly didn't think you were that kind of guy, she smiled. So he knew he had to finish the whole damn thing.
which he did. Shudders convulsed through his entire body, but he tried not to show it. He slammed his glass down hard in a big finish. Well, thanks for stopping by, but I really have to get back to my practice, she said abruptly, getting up from the couch. She couldn't have said that before. He asked her to go out the next night. Out, he said with emphasis. She said she had this sort of a class she went to. Maybe another time, he asked. Maybe, she said. After the door closed behind him, he wrote down the number three on a small piece of paper he pulled from his pocket, which represented the number of weeks he thought it would take to get her to bed. He smiled at how easy this odd one would be, but resolved never to go to her house hungry. On her side of the door, she stood there, twirling her hair, thinking, I like this guy. Then she stiffened. Oh no, not again.